Welcome to the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors, presented by FMG Suite. Listen to interviews with the movers, shakers, geniuses, and innovators of the financial advisory world. Visit FMGSuite.com to discover more great resources and products to transform you into an extraordinary marketer and grow your advisory. And now, without further delay, the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors. Hi, I'm Chow Hainer, VP of Marketing here at FMG Suite. Today, I am so honored to have Zanelia Harris with H&H Wealth, and she's based out of the D.C. area. Her specialty is actually serving women investors by educating them about economic and financial empowerment, and I'm really excited to speak with another successful female business owner here today. So some of the key highlights that we'll talk through are how serving female clients for her and her business has helped her really stay focused and helped with her marketing efforts to make them more effective. Then talking about some of the needs of female clients, what are their needs? Zanelia will share some insights there. And also with the global health and financial crisis, she'll talk about how she served her clients' needs during that, but then also how she continues to serve their needs uh, and continuing to answer any questions beyond and moving beyond the pandemic. And then lastly, we'll continue our discussions around how this industry can take action toward more diversity and inclusion. So with that, I hope you enjoy our discussion today. Hey, hi, Zanelia. I am so happy to be talking with you today. So thank you for taking time out of your busy day to talk with us here at FMG Suites. Thank you for having me. Of course. You know, we recently saw an article posted financial planning and that, you know, definitely sparked our interest because there's so much information out there. There's so many important topics that we need to discuss about. So um, we're so excited that you're able to join us. Glad to be here. So I thought we could get started just so everyone can kind of get a better idea of your business and the type of clients that you serve. So what actually brought you to this industry and into this field as a career? So I always tell people that it kind of started from watching my grandmother. So I grew up with my grandmother in a small town in Southern Virginia, and I am very close to her and watching how she handled money was a big influence to me. Uh, One of the things that I saw with my grandmother is that when she struggled with paying her bills, that was the only time I saw her become emotional. And of course, that was impactful to me. So when I went to college, I was on this quest to learn as much as I could about money. I literally purchased Money Magazine every month because I wanted to become a better steward of my own money. And in that quest, I learned that it was something that I wanted to do, uh, which is help others with managing their money and to become better stewards of their money. I love that. The more advisors I talked to recently, there's, you know, there's a very personal connection on how you go into this field, right? And it stems from your beliefs, your values, even back to growing up, you know, with your grandmother and seeing that too. So that's great. You know, how did you decide to serve specifically women investors and then even um, black women, successful women that are in transition also, or executive women or women in transition? How did you choose to focus on that key uh, group of clients? Well, when I came into the industry, the whole idea was to be of service to others. And what I noticed was that a lot of the, the 
promotions, the the aspect of reaching out tended to be towards men. And I thought about the fact that, well, hey, I'm a woman. Uh, I need to uh, understand all of the different aspects of my finances, right? Going back to college, that's what I was trying to do. We can't leave women out of this conversation. So seeing that in the places that I worked, it just, you know, begin to um, become this motivator for me to really reach out and help women better understand their finances and be there for them to help them make better decisions. So basically, it stemmed from the fact that I was a woman and I wanted to help people like me. That's great. Yeah. So now that you've saw that the need to serve this particular market, right, because you understand their needs as well. Um do you, what are some of the key needs that you've seen um, with serving women investors? And has that, does that differ from actually serving a, a male client instead? I think the key need, no matter what, is education. I think, I feel that that's part of our charge as financial planners is to be, is to help our clients become better educated so that they can make uh, better decisions about their life. Yes, we do manage the money and we do, you know, help them with um, various decisions. But I think at the core of it, I tell my clients that I want them to look back and first of all, appreciate that they, that we met. And number two, to be more informed so that if something were to happen to me, they could work with someone else knowing everything that we have done and be able to explain it and articulate it from a place of education and knowledge and not feel like they're extremely dependent on uh, their their financial planner or advisor going forward. Because if if they're in that, that situation, because I understand it when they come to me, that it may be that, but it shouldn't be that after they've worked with me over the years. No, oh, that's great. I think education is key. And some of the stats and, you know, me being a female in this industry as well and talking to advisors regularly, right, and trying to understand the needs of women and creating these environments and um, opportunities for women to come together more, empower each other a little more, and be able to co- be more comfortable with investing, right? And I always hear education mm. is the core of it. Exactly, exactly. So I'm going to shift a little bit on your marketing efforts, you know, as you serve this particular audience too. So, you know, knowing that you do serve women specifically, have you found it to be more effective to be so hyper-focused on a particular audience segment versus marketing to the masses, right? All investors. Um, how has that helped your business focusing on a particular um, client base? So I feel that being super focused allows me to maximize my marketing dollars. And I, as I said, I started knowing that I wanted to work with women I also started knowing that I wanted to have my own business. So ever since college, I also knew that I wanted to have my own business. I wanted to be my own boss. And I wanted to run a business that was impactful to the people that I served. And so when I so when I think about 
my business and and the fact that I'm focusing on women. So I'm focusing on women because I want to work with people who are like me. I was um, told this by a manager some time ago that the clients that you tend to attract tend to have a lot more in common with you than they do differences. So when one of the things I did, I took the time uh, initially when I went in, into business for myself and I worked with a coach who had me to identify who my ideal client was and to describe her as detailed as possible. I gave her a name. Her name is Nicole. <laughs> and I just started jotting down the criteria of what who she is, what things she's interested in. And once I started doing that, it became really clear for me, how to kind of put together my marketing. Because as I started writing down the characteristics of who she is, I re I saw all of these things that were similar to who I was and, and what I would look for if I was on the other side of the table. So that's how I began to kind of uh, map out my marketing plan. And it just keeps me super focused. And so, cause you're going to be, you're going to receive a lot of, um, people reaching out to you to advertise, to do this, to do that. Uh, and sometimes as an advisor, you can become overwhelmed with that, especially if marketing is, isn't your thing. Uh, you're so busy on trying to maybe uh, work with your clients and uh, do plans for your clients, invest for your clients. So the, that, that marketing piece can, can be overwhelming. So I feel that being super specific about who you're going after helps you with identifying marketing opportunities that align with your brand and who you're trying to reach. It just makes, it just provides extreme clarity around that. I love that. And that's something that, you know, here at FMG Suite, we always share with advisors, like, you know, focus on a particular audience so you can have a very targeted message to them versus something so general, right, that it doesn't really resonate with anyone. And that keeps your messaging very consistent as well. Um, and to your point, you know, there's so many people that you could talk to, but you really can't serve them all. So as focused as you are, I think that makes it more uh, effective in your marketing efforts too. So I love that. That's great, great insights. Thank you. Yeah. And you mentioned too, like most advisors aren't marketers or they don't have time for that. Um, so I'm impressed by some of the pieces that you've been able to create, like your blog, Finance and Stilettos, and a book that you've written too with that same title. And I know Investment News rated your blog as best for women in investing. And you even have a podcast um, called Heels of Success. That's a lot of original content you're creating. So uh, I'd love to hear, you know, how you're able to do that one. <laughs> and then what kind of tips would you offer other advisors in the industry to be able to produce such good content like you are right now? Well, uh, hire good people to work with you. <laughs> <laughs> Great so <tip. laughs> early on, yeah, yeah, you have to have hire, you know, build out your team as, you know, look for people who can help you with articulating your story. And early on, again, I ind indicated I had a coach. I also had a person uh, that I worked with who did PR, who helped me as well with kind of helping me with writing my story or different aspects of, of finance and explaining it to the average person. And at the time that I was, I was working uh, with my friend, I, I realized that I enjoyed writing 
So there may be an aspect of marketing that you really enjoy, uh, but you got to, you know, test it out to figure out what that is. And so for me, I learned that it was writing. So I literally used to just kind of write what I was inspired to write. Um, if I read an article and I felt like I wanted to add more insight in it, or I, I felt like I could explain different components of it in a way that um, possibly would resonate with with women, then I took a spin <laughs> on different things that I've read, research uh, um, reports that I've read, or other articles that I've read, and ended up just kind of building my blog around that. My PR friend actually helped me with kind of crafting my voice. And that was very, very helpful to me. And then once I got it, I just ran with it. <laughs> and I, and like I said, I realized that I, I do enjoy writing. Now, the, the caveat to that is I enjoy writing when I'm in the mood. So when I'm not in the mood, it can be it can be like pulling teeth, trying to come up with what you want to say, how you want to say it and articulate it so that it resonates with people. So in addition to working with a PR person, I worked with someone who is an editor and I still work, work with her today. She edits my work and asks me questions because she's not in this space. So I ask her, does this make sense to you? Uh is there other ways that I can uh, expand on it? Ask me questions to pull out from me the information I need to help you better grasp what I'm saying. So again, like building a team around you when it comes to marketing is really key. And then understanding what their role is, because when you're very specific, that also helps you with how you spend your money. And I kind of want to emphasize that because when you're not specific, then you can end up spending a lot of money and it doesn't get you what you desire. So I knew going into it that my goal with getting uh, publicity, if you want to call it, uh, getting publicity was to attract clients. That's my goal. So then it became going back to Nicole, what things are, is she reading? What things resonate with her? What things are, is she interested in? So I thought about that. And then I thought about myself. And one of the things that really resonates with me is that I love beautiful shoes. So I said, okay, how can I tie finance to something that uh, that is really personal to me, which is shoes? And so I made that connection. So I tell I tell people, or I, I, I think a good piece of advice to take on as an advisor is think about the things you personally like and then tie them into how you communicate your story or your message to others and to your potential clients. That's great. Yeah, I I love that. And, you know, we all talk about, like, nowadays, right, authenticity is so important, right? And for you yes. to bring your passion into what you do, whether it's work-wise or personal-wise, like your love for shoes, that's so important. And, and people can see the authenticity, authenticity behind that when you bring those two together. Um, yes, so I, I agree. <laughs> and other things that you touched on, I agree, right? Taking the time to invest and just setting, laying the foundation and the groundwork, you know, what is your messaging? Um, what is basically your value prop? And then once you take the time to discover that, 
it translates into everything else. And it's so easy, right, for you then to develop content that really goes back to that core value prop that you've taken the time to establish. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that's great. And writing, where you enjoy writing, you're lucky. Not everyone else always loves that. But what you said is also hiring staff to help you with your marketing. And so if you're not a writer, I I always talk to advisors and I I tell them, you'd be surprised that some other people in the office that may not have a marketing role, and it could be more ops role or something like that. And if you actually tap and ask them, you know, do you actually enjoy writing? Anyone here enjoy writing? Would you like to contribute to our blog or anything like that? They've actually uncovered some hidden writers within their own staff that can help them with their marketing too. If, you know, the advisor is not the one that actually enjoys the writing. So I think that's always valuable to, you know, pull it out in some people in your own staff that you already have in place. Right, exactly. And I, I think I want to add as well, understanding branding, because there that's also another component of who you are as an advisor, as a planner. So for me, I, I didn't realize this at the time, but like my colors mattered. So I for, so I'm attracted to chocolate brown. And so I use that as a foundation for my blog. For So your colors matter as well, because you want everything, you want people to look at you and, and when they see colors, they see wordings, they see titles, they can, uh, they can understand that that's, oh, that's so-and-so's firm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I know that because, oh, look at the colors, just like how we re- recognize companies like Target because of that, that red and the circle and the dog. <laughs> so, so the more you get into who you are, it helps you with branding your firm and for, and it allows people to quickly identify you from everyone else. That's what I found has been key for me. That's great. Yes. Colors, visual, like imagery, all of that. Um, It all is a part of your brand and makes it recognizable. You're right. You know, Um, it's great. Inconsistency. So as clients and even people who you're trying to prospect too, if they consistently see the same type of brand look and feel, because not everyone reads, right? So if they're visually catching Mm -hmm. um, some part of your brand visually, um, that's important. So they can remember, oh, Zanelia keeps, you know, communicating with me about this and that. And um, over time, that hopefully converts into a client too. Right. And then putting people around you who are passionate about sharing your story. So I also realized that as you hire people to help you with different components of your business, you want them to believe in what you're doing. Because that shows also in the product that they produce for you. Now, all valuable tips on marketing. So thank you for sharing all of that. That's great. I think it makes it more attainable for some advisors who, um, you know, aren't aren't comfortable or, you know, scared. Like, what's the next step? I think those are great, valuable tips to help um, advisors become more comfortable and start executing on some more marketing in their firm. So thank you for that. You're welcome. All right. So let's talk about other things that's going on right now. We are in a pandemic, um, definitely lasting longer than I think most of us have expected. Um, so I wanted to kind of talk through how you're managing through a pandemic and still being able to serve clients. Uh, but then also maybe how are you prospecting for new clients now too, that you don't have that face-to-face interaction. So um, first thing I'd like to ask is like, what has been your experience uh, working with clients right now through this pandemic? Well, I 
have taken the time to share information again because I like to write. So I have been sharing information through my newsletter. I've been posting information to my blog. I've also have been presented with opportunities that have allowed me to share information with my local news, with my local radio station, and as well as nationally. So uh, I have been taking advantage of the connections that I have in place uh, because having connections with people is very, very key uh, in growing your business in all aspects of it. And so people literally have reached out to me uh, because of the fact that my I feel my branding is strong and my messaging is strong. I have people reach out to me when, when opportunities, media opportunities arise that they feel I'm a good fit for. And by sharing my information that way, that also helps with uh, getting my messaging out there and reaching new clients with my current clients, you know, sharing with them all of the different aspects of what's going on around the CARES Act, uh, sharing information that I may get from my CPA uh, with my clients in regards to those who are business owners that are uh, applying or have applied for the PPP loans. Um, So just trying to share as much information as possible, as well as reaching out to them and asking them to schedule appointments. Hey, let's talk. Let's talk about what's going on because uh, you don't want them to feel like you're not there. So I have just been trying my best to uh, let them know that I'm here scheduling appointments. I have been really, really busy, um, sometimes overwhelmingly busy because my clients are scheduling appointments with me. We are having conversations. And even before the pandemic, I always had an option for my clients to meet with me virtually. So that did not change. So I didn't like completely change my model of how I work with clients. We just switched to uh, some of my clients meeting me virtually. So I don't just have clients in the Washington, D.C. area anyway. I have clients across the United States. So it just, we just moved into uh, meeting virtually or having telephone conversations to just kind of talk through, you know, their feelings, because that's also important. Um, I actually ended up writing a piece talking about my own personal feelings, because I think it's very important for clients to know that when different things happen in the markets that we are affected, we're human, we're affected too. And they need to understand that we're human and that uh, we can identify with some of the emotions they may be feeling because whenever we go through any type of um, recessionary period, it affects people emotionally. And a lot of times it can influence decisions that they make that can affect them over the long term. So when they know that they can identify with the, with you from an emotional perspective, I think that that endears them to you. And it also um, allows them to open up more about where they are. And that may help you to uncover other assets. That's great. Yeah, I, I think all the content you're putting out there, it's helping calm everyone's fears a little bit. And even if you can't truly calm them, because that it, the volatility is always disconcerting and um, and scary. But just I think hearing from you helps, right? Whether you have good news to share, bad news to share, anything is just education and just that you're staying in front of it and meeting with them regularly. And I love what you said about you know writing a personal piece like this affects you too right and that's a good point because mm-hmm. people don't think that this affects you as you know their advisor it's almost like you're you're um, immune to some of these yeah. issues but you're not <laughs> right exactly 
Yeah. So that gives it a very, um, a good perspective that I think everyone can really relate to. So um, based on your conversations, what are some of the top questions right now you're hearing from your clients or their needs right now as they kind of navigate through this uncertain time? Some of them are concerned with, I'm retired and this is all the money that I have. And I am afraid of the volatility. I don't like opening up my statements and seeing that I've lost this amount of money and taking the time to really talk them through that. Cause I get it. <laughs> no, you know, you, you've seen your, your portfolio achieve a certain value. And then you look up, Oh my God, I just lost $200,000. Um, <laughs> that is very unsettling. Yes. And, <laughs> so I, I, I get that. I totally understand it. And I've actually shared with people how I've had to turn off the news. Yeah. That's a great piece of feedback or advice. Yeah. I've had to turn off the news and I will, I'd rather read something as opposed to watching it because for me, you know, taking all of that in affects me emotionally. So I share with them. You need to you need to turn off the news. <laughs> you need to walk away. You need to go do other things. Um, stop checking it every day. You know, check. I'm not saying not to look at your statements, but I but I have recommended not to do it as often because this is part and then going through explaining. You know, this is part of being invested in the market and then break and also understand breaking it down so that they understand what the market is. So one of the questions that I asked, have you stopped shopping? And they say, no, but where are you shopping? Well, these are the companies that make up the market. And then I explained to them as we go through the, through the recession, certain things happen. There are going to be business that businesses that are going to uh, no longer be in existence. That's a fact that happens every recession. But there's also going to be innovation and creativity that's going to happen. So, so other companies are going to buy up these companies. Other companies are going to uh, pivot and find new opportunities. And so let's look at that as an opportunity for you in regards to your portfolio. Oh, interesting. I love that. That's very helpful. Uh, I mean, even my mom who, who, you know, called in a panic and she's retired and only has a certain number of funds like right now. Mm -hmm. She's like, what do I do? Like, I'm not young like you. I can't recover from this. She's like, this is all I have. And, and right. what, it's so hard to have that conversation. I was like, well, one, I'm not an advisor, but two, it's just kind of like, you just kind of have to wait. It will get better, but you just... Like, I like your advice. Don't watch the news every day. It's only going to make things worse. And uh, mm -hmm. eventually things will start to balance out, hopefully, right? You just got to hang in there and not look at your statement all the time. And, you know, it fluctuates so much that that's just causing more harm than doing any good. Yeah. And then I, I think another piece that I want to add to that is ensuring that they have enough cash on hand to take care of their expenses and any emergencies that may arise. Mm -hmm. Because when they know that they have that security blanket, that can also take some pressure off of what's happening in the markets. That's great. Oh, I will share that with my mom. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Look, have her call me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's back. 
she's in the DC area. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's great. I love it. Okay. So now I want to talk and shift about a very important topic right now, right? This is this is an ongoing important topic and it's an ongoing thing that all of us play a part in and that's diversity and inclusion. It's not something that, you know, we just want to shine a light on with, you know, the events happening in the world right now. This has been ongoing for many, many, many years, right? Especially in the financial services industry. So I wanted to talk about some of your experiences being a Black woman in this industry as well and serving uh, uh, women investors as well. So I think you have very important perspectives to share. So yeah, anything you wanted to just start out with and talk through? Well, well, a couple of things. So I think that our industry needs to really broaden who they look for to uh, fill the pipeline. And I, I know that it's easy to go with uh, people that you know, but to think outside of the box and reach out to people that you may not know. And not only just uh, allow them to have an opportunity to join your firms, but also to give them opportunities to rise within your firm. Uh, I know for me, I I have to say that I have been very fortunate in in the fact that um, most of the places that I've worked, I've had someone to kind of look out for me and to kind of guide me. But what I will say I didn't have is a sponsor. Somebody who was in the room uh, when I wasn't there that was advocating for me to uh, move up the ladder and and who knew about opportunities and presented them to me um, and a plan and gave me a plan as to how I could move up. I I look back at that and I say, oh, I I didn't have that. I had people that mentored me, but I really didn't have feel like I have had people who were sponsors of uh, my skill set and promoted me in, in opportunities that I wasn't present. So I think that that could be another something for people to think about as they're building out their teams. Uh, they're thinking about uh, ways to um, to encourage Black women specifically, because um, a lot of us are very ambitious. I know I I, I was extremely ambitious, <laughs> and we want to um, leave our mark, and we want to help you succeed. Otherwise, we wouldn't have taken a job with the with your company if we didn't want to be there and didn't want to see the company to succeed. So open the door and and, and allow us that opportunity to um, fill roles that you may not have ever seen us in. Um, and then that also, to me, when they when when younger people coming in, they see that diversity at the top, because as we know, you know, the Fortune 500 companies do not have a Black woman um, as the CEO right now. This is 2020, and there's no Black women that are CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, which is very, very disheartening to see. Okay. So then when, when young people come up, coming into the workforce, look at this and they see this, they have, well, why, why should I work for you? Right. As I can see, you, you are not hiring anyone to those positions. So I have nothing to thrive for. And so that's why I think a lot of young people are now coming into the workforce, immediately deciding that they want to be entrepreneurs and create their own opportunities because they don't see it in your large companies. And that's what's so disheartening and sad. Um, 
for me, uh, I, you know, that's those are the things that I want to see. I want to see not only helping young people, but also those career changers uh, or those who have been in um, the trenches uh, given opportunities uh, at the top. So I'll give you an example. Uh, If a recruiter reaches out to me for, for an opportunity, and I do still have recruiters who reach out to me, do not offer me a job, you know, as just a regular financial advisor. I, I, I can't, why not a management opportunity or equity opportunity? Um, so I, I really think that, um, and I actually feel that that's insulting to, right. you know, I have over 25 years of experience, by the way, I just really look young. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have over 25 years of experience. Do not offer me a, basically an entry level position and think that yeah. I should be thankful that you offer that to me. Yeah. I mean, that's some of the systemic racism that we face, right? Where people unknowingly mm-hmm. just assume or don't think and take that step back that, yes, this is a very qualified woman, right? That is mm-hmm. probably going to perform better too. And like, you, you need to give them that opportunity and think about it for a second, right? Before you mm-hmm. um, make a judgment or think otherwise. And I think that's what everybody has to do right now. Um, Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So um, those are some of your ideas on bringing diversity into the industry. And I love talking about the next generation, too. That's that's kind of our future. Right. And we are in 2020. Mm-hmm. and There's still so much to be done. So for the younger generation coming into this field and again, they're looking at these companies, not seeing someone like them in that position. I think that that's going to continue this cycle if we don't make those other changes, too. Uh, right, exactly. As well, as well as, you know, recognizing, I think right now you're seeing and you're a lot of uh, African-Americans share the stories that they've experienced working in corporate America, the microaggressions that have that they've experienced. And it's those little things, the things that you say, oh, uh, how you talk, oh, you, you sound a certain way instead of, you know, just or recognize even recognizing that they, they their talent and their abilities, because I know um, when I first got into uh, the workforce, my desire was to, uh, you know, I came in early and a lot of times I was the last one to leave and not being recognized for that, but being penalized for a, a slight mistake that I've made and and being told, hey, well, I'm going to put this in your, your permanent record. And other people around me um, have done some of the same, if not worse. And you don't even hear that even being communicated to them that they're going to be penalized for it. So recognizing when you're interacting with us that uh, you, you remember that or look at us as though we're like your daughter or your son. Mm -hmm. And would you do, would you treat them that way? And if you wouldn't, then don't treat us that way. Right. Yes. That's that's a that's a very important note. Um, yeah. So hearing some of these challenges that you've had to overcome, right? Penalized for things that others may not be penalized, and you're working harder and um, probably achieving better results too. Like, what have been some you know? challenges that you've had to overcome as you've, you know, gone through your 25-year career within this industry? Well, when I look back, I 
I don't know that at the time I looked at them as challenges. I just think you just, because as black people, you just kind of do what you have to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think about my the, the challenges and I felt like, well, they made me who I am today. And it also makes me recognize how I want to treat people based on how I've been treated. And it helps me to understand the importance of respect. No matter what age you are, respect goes a long way. Listening to people. Now that correlates listening to your employees as well as um, listening to your clients and hearing what they what they say and valuing what they say and then taking that input and making change. So what I'm seeing now is that, and what I hope for my daughter, my daughter is uh, 12 years old. I, you know, I hope for her future that all that we're seeing right now really does result in change. Uh, I have seen a lot in my 25 years of experience um, in the United States. And uh, we've. It's, this is not like this is the first time that there has been an uproar around wanting change to happen. So what I what I I hope is that we do actually see a change and that we see things change, policies change, see companies change, how they hire, um, and how they promote, uh, who's at the helm of these companies, and that uh, the financial services industry advocates for change with these companies, especially the mutual funds, asking for these companies to have uh, diversity on their board and not just gender diversity, but ethnic diversity, um, that they uh, advocate for uh, in the C-suite, that there are more diverse people represented in the C-suite. So those are the changes that I hope by the time my daughter gets into the workforce, she can look and see, you know, look at 2020, look back at 2020 and say that was the catalyst for an, an opportunity that I now have and I'm able to walk into. I can't agree more. You know, even just w- within the last few years, I've seen so much change in a typically conservative industry, right? So I hope this is it. This is a turning point. And I think a lot of people do feel optimistic about what's ahead, which is good, right? Because we all want some hope mm-hmm. and we all want to see that change. And um, I love that. I hope your daughter is able to look at this point in time and see that, yes, that's when we started to see things happen. Right, right. So thank you for sharing all that. Um, I just wanted to close on a couple of other um, personal stories, or well, you've shared plenty of personal stories, but just, you know, what's another personal story that you could share on how you've really made a difference in a client's life? I always like to hear these stories because what you do as an advisor is so important for uh, investors and clients out there. So any story you'd like to share that you've been able to make a difference? So one of the things that is very, very key for me is understanding who I am and understanding that I am doing what I do because I feel that it's part of my purpose in life. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about the impact that I uh, have made with clients, I always go, go into it with the lens of what I want to leave as my legacy. So I've shared uh, with clients and just, you know, with with my advisory team that part of my legacy is that I want clients to look back um, and say that they were grateful that they've encountered me. 
uh, on my deathbed <laughs> or when I pass away, I'll say when I pass away, I want clients to, you know, to at my memorial service to be thankful that we met because they were able to achieve the goals that they wanted to achieve with their life. They were able to live their dream life. Like, so when you ask me that question, that's the lens that I, that I want to answer that, that provide you a response. So when clients contact me and they say, and I've had this over the last couple of weeks and tell me, thank you, um, because I gave them advice that has really allowed them to uh, be in a position of not having to make rash decisions Mm -hmm. Um, that I've given them advice that allowed them to not panic. I've had clients to call me and say, you know what, because you have spent so much time explaining to us how the markets have worked, I know that this is a great time to actually get back into the market and take advantage because I'm still working. I know that I have, you know, many years before I'm going to retire. So I'm going to take advantage of this time and buy on these dips, Hmm. knowing that that's going to benefit me in the future. Those are the types of conversations that that really reinforces for me that I'm doing what I was called to do. That I'm doing what I what is part of uh, my purpose in life, and that that is the legacy that I want to leave, along with the fact that I want my daughter to see how I have helped so many women to achieve their life goals. That's fantastic. There's not just one story. This is everything that you're doing every day with all of your clients on how you exactly. That's fantastic. Well, thank you. I only have one last question. I share in your love of shoes. How many shoes would you say are in your closet right now? (laughs) (laughs) Too many. (laughs) Too many. Uh, I want to say, I would say probably over a hundred. That's great. I think that's fantastic. I love it. I wish I could get a visual picture of this right now, but I, <laughs> I need to go through and thin them out because some of them I really don't wear. And then, but they, but you look at me, he's like, oh, I just can't, I can't part with them. But in, in recognizing uh, a lot of things in life, you know, you need to, I look at it like this. There are other people who could use the shoes. Uh, because I try to make sure I, I take care of my shoes, other people who could use them. And so part of us being here is helping others, right? So giving them away so someone else can, you know, wear them to a, a interview that gets them that next, that dream job mm-hmm. is just as important as building up, you know, a closet full of shoes. Yeah. Um, and, and you can't wear them. You can only wear one pair a day. Uh, you only wear one you wear one pair so uh, just remembering that yes while I do love shoes but I also have also taken um, or recognized the importance of sharing giving them away and sharing them with others so that they can um, use them to help them to fulfill you know walk into whatever dream they want for the rest of their life so that's inspiring Sanalia, this has been such a great time chatting with you. It's been such a pleasure. So thank you for sharing your personal story. 
if you want to share your story with anybody else or if someone might want to reach out to you um, after hearing this. So if so, what's the best way that you would suggest them reach out to you by email, your website, social? What would you um, prefer? So my website is uh, hhwealth.com and there is uh, one way that you can reach out to me because I have plenty of places on there for you to just shoot me a message. Also LinkedIn, uh, Zanilia Harris, you can look me up there. Um, Twitter at hhwealth and Facebook, same hhwealth. That's great. Well, thank you again for your time today. Um, I I wish you continued success, and thank you so much for you know bringing light to these convert you know these important topics and sharing your stories and um, and continuing to help you know uh, all of your clients in the community. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Market Emotion Podcast for financial advisors. If you found this episode informative, please share with your peers and colleagues. Visit fmgsuite.com to discover more great resources and products to transform you into an extraordinary marketer and grow your advisory. Subscribe and get updates delivered right to your inbox.